Okay, 12 and a half minutes after 8. Chris Minns, good morning to you, Chris. Marcus, how are you? Thanks for having me. That's my pleasure. Sorry we haven't got to you until now. I just wanted to, to clear that up. That of mouse, course. Mouse yeah. plague's a big issue. Very important, very important. And, you know, uh, I mean, he's right, though, Mr Little Proud, when he says that, you know, it's a state government responsibility and that is something that, uh, obviously, uh, Adam Marshall's looking into. But I think they've been a little slack on this. They probably should have done something months ago. Yeah, that's certainly the view of many of the farming associations and that's the feedback that MPs got a couple of weeks ago. Look, I mean... It's just one of these situations that's just so devastating for the bush. We want them on top of it. It looks like they're getting there now. Yeah. I think it'll be time for a, a, a post-mortem to work out what went wrong, but mm. I'm really hopeful that we can sort this out before uh, summer comes back. Well, that's right. The thing is with the – I mean, look, as we look, they're up on the telly, but, the, I mean, there's a hidden death toll in this. You know, apparently farmers are contracting deadly diseases as well, including LCM. Mm. So uh, it's a major issue. Um, and the plague – doesn't seem to be letting up. Let's talk about some other issues. Now, first of all, um, you seem to have a lot of support from your colleagues because I've noticed on social media yesterday, whether it's Rose Jackson, um, whether it's... uh, who else? There's been plenty of them. Our yeah. in Campbelltown down there, Greg, Greg Warren. Warren. Yes. Um, uh, also, of course, uh, Kate's... It's got a million things in my head, mate. Uh, Kate <laughs> up there at Port Stephens, Kate Washington. They've all publicly endorsed you. And they're yeah. on top of the other two that we mentioned yesterday. So you have the support. Have you got the signatures? Not yet, actually. So nominations open on Friday. Um, mm. You know, I'll be honest, Marcus, I'm, I think we will get the 15 signatures and get myself to the next round. Yeah. Um, and look, it's a difficult decision for uh, my parliamentary colleagues. I don't want to put any pressure on them. It's their call as to who they think is the best person to drive Labor forward, get competitive with the government. I mean, the only thing I can really do is say, look... I think we need to be positive. I think the Labor Party's got good answers when it comes to working families and working communities. And I think if we are in the debate and explaining what we do differently, not just what's gone wrong with the government, then Mm. we've got a fighting chance in 2023. That's not to say, of course, that things shouldn't be brought up. One of the criticisms of Jodie McKay was that um, she was always critical. Mm. But in fairness, I think, to Jodie, (laughs) let's be honest, it's not every year that you have a a state premier appear before the Independent Commission Against Corruption Mm. or her personal life move over into the public space. And I don't want to dwell on any of that sort of stuff, but I just thought it was a little unfair for for people to say that Jodie's always been critical or she's always whinging about something. There's been plenty of ammunition, um, but for some reason it just hasn't cut through. Gladys Berejiklian remains as popular as ever, Chris. I think that's right, Marcus, and, um, you know, it's been a difficult two years for the Labor Party. Um, but, look, I my sense is when I speak to people in my own community is that they want the state to get through COVID, and I speak to everybody who says, look, there shouldn't be politics in a pandemic. I know personally I've got kids that I want to see at school and not on Zoom. I've got elderly relatives that I don't want to have exposed point. to this disease. Mm. And realistically... The job of the opposition, of course, is to hold the government to account. I'm not suggesting otherwise. And if they're doing something outrageous or egregious or wasting the uh, public money, I'll be on your program in a heartbeat. But I do also want to send a message that our job isn't to oppose everything the government does. And realistically, rather than ripping down the New South Wales Liberal and Nationals, I want to be better than them. 
Sure. So that the public's okay. got a real choice at the next election. Well, that's right, because constant negativity does tend to lead to people turning off. And that's yeah. when, I guess, and, and tuning out to the message that you're trying to tell them. That's right. Uh, I mean, this budget barrage to hide the size of the deficit, uh, something that uh, uh, your colleague, uh, I think John Daly's done some good work on, on some of the exposure of this. And uh, regardless of how things pan out over the next day or two or week or month or whatever it ends yeah. up being. I mean, uh, this important work exposing these kinds of um, fudging of the books, if you like, or economic or accounting trickery. Yeah. Uh, I mean, these are things that should be out in the public domain, yes, obviously. Yes, of course. Um, because we, we do want, uh, you know, accountability and the appropriate use of our money. But I guess it all comes back Chris, as to what would you do differently? Yeah, look, that's a good point. And um, if you look at the revelations in the newspaper yesterday and today about this, it's an arcane thing, Mark. It's such a strange thing. It's called the Transport Asset Holding Entity. Tahi. Tahi, yeah. And the government does this. Sounds like a football player (laughs) on the wing for Parramatta or something. Tamana Tahu or Tahi, yeah. Yeah, exactly. From Newcastle. Look, it's a funny thing. Government set up this independent entity. They can put all of their transport assets in this uh, special uh, vehicle and as a result the money that they would ordinarily spend on it doesn't show up on the budget so the so the budget deficit or the surplus looks better than it would it's ordinarily tricky. pretty Let's tricky now look my argument here is that we don't need creative accounting we need job creation that should be the project of the new south wales government and i just believe that these tricks these political tricks are sort of starting to become hardwired into the sure. government um and Rather than focusing on the big issues, we've got the seventh out of eighth performing economy, unemployment's on the rise, we've mm. gone through a very difficult period with COVID. We need to jumpstart the New South Wales economy. Now, I'm going to hold them to account, but I'm also going to come up with ideas to drive economic growth for working class Australians. Some people say uh, the idea behind jumpstarting our economy starts with reconnecting our uh, the sector of of building things of being creative of and I'm not just talking startups but I'm talking about manufacturing mm. things we used to manufacture Absolutely. so that we're not having issues of you know ferries that don't fit under bridges or trains that don't fit through tunnels yes you know we should be getting stuff made fit for purpose for new south wales using new south wales ingenuity one of the things that i couldn't believe the premier say last year was oh we just don't do stuff well yeah now that i think should will come back to haunt the premier and i'd be using that in any campaign because we damn well can yeah. build things well and talking down your workers in the state uh, is not a good idea because no. it's a slap in the face, I think, to what we can achieve. Look, and it's also not... It's silly because we have to back Australian know-how. We have to back Australian uh, engineering. We, Australian workers make world-class products, and you get what you pay for when it comes to transport infrastructure. You know, there's a few key facts here, Marcus. $20 billion worth of transport infrastructure sourced from overseas and brought into New South Wales. And we can do it another way. Queensland, Western Australia and Victoria all have domestic manufacturing for transport. Transport infrastructure, they build trains, they build uh, um, trams, they build that kind of yeah. heavy duty, uh, good, good paying jobs in the regions and in particular f- for New South Wales in Western Sydney. That's what we can be doing here. And for all those people who say, yeah, but the problem is you have to pay more and domestic manufacturing doesn't work out, I'll just point this out. The intercity fleet, which was a train that was purchased from Korea, is late. Mm-hmm. 
It didn't fit the tracks. And it's, according to the Auditor General, 70% over budget. So something like a billion and a half dollars over budget after it came in from Korea. So I really want to push back against this idea that Aussie manufacturing is more expensive and a lower quality. It is not. And we need a Premier and we need a government that's going to back Australian jobs and Australian know-how, start talking up our country and what we can do. Absolutely. Rather than saying we just don't do that stuff. Well, exactly well, right. We, we used to do it well. We can do it well in the future. And even if uh, there's a little bit of short-term pain, if things cost just slightly a little bit more, the longer-term benefit for my kids, my boys, my grandkids, they're all going to want jobs. I want them to be building things. I want them to, to do what the uh, the people who came, you know, we talk about a Premier who uh, is a migrant success story. Mm. Her family came over from overseas. No doubt they were skilled migrants. They contributed. Of course, people who grow up here in, a, in New South Wales should be able to contribute to building infrastructure, to making things. Let's not outsource everything just so the budget looks a little better. That's exactly right. I mean, look, good, well-paid, secure jobs. And I know there's going to be a lot of talk about the pandemic, and you're right. The New South Wales government's, the the opposition's job, the Labor Party's job is to hold the government to account. Mm. But in my view... The next election will be fought on who's got a better plan for a better economy and society once the pandemic's over. That, to me, is what uh, families are talking about. That's what my community is interested in. And we will be focusing on lowering the cost of living for families, making sure there's good, secure jobs. And I think that's all part of a positive and energetic vision for what's possible in this state. And you would hope by 2023 that we're through this pandemic, or at least the worst of it, and we're, we're living with it and business is getting back to normal and, and everything returns to as a normal situation as possible. Exactly. This program is broadcast into regional New South Wales. One of the big things I hear all the time, Chris, um, and I know Labor's done very well, um, some of your colleagues have done very well on addressing the issue. There seems to be an inequality between, or a Sydney-centric view from the current LNP government. You know, building, uh, say, for instance, new stadiums in the centre of the city rather than, you know, uh, putting vital infrastructure in regional areas. Mm. People in, we want to attract people to regional New South Wales. We're hard up getting doctors. We're hard up getting nurses. We're Mm. hard up getting essential services. And there's a current uh, committee looking into that and an inquiry. Uh, What can Labor do to make the regions shine again. Yeah, I think you're right. And it's a, it's seeing a deterioration in the vote for both the Coalition and the Labor Party. The Shooters Party is doing a lot better Absolutely. in the bush. One Nation is doing very well. Even sort of uh, Green and, and Progressive Parties on the left are doing well in the regions and the yeah. major parties are dropping. And I think that that's indicative of the country communities believing, look, the major political parties haven't got our back. Um, the, the key thing and the policies that I want to drive over the next two years are a diverse and strong economy in our regions. Mm. Part of that is manufacturing. Part of that is ma- backing Australian export industries so that they've got a strong, diversified economy. I think there's a lot of room to move in relation to that. Um, you know, the Upper Hunter by-election was really painted as a coal versus an anti-coal election. It wasn't. And if you went up there and spoke to people who even worked in the coal mines, 
uh, or worked in other industries, they'd mm. say, look, it's so much more complicated and diverse in our community. We want you to understand what's going on in our towns, in our suburbs, in our, in our, um, in our little villages mm. and hamlets. And we want you to take an interest in it and come up with a plan for us. That's the challenge for New South Wales Labor. Well, it's about workers, yeah. not just coal workers, not just those that work in coal mining uh, regions of exactly. the state. It's about all workers. It's about a fair deal uh, for, you know, for, for those who are underemployed. It's about a fair deal for, for frontline workers. Uh, we've got, uh, we have one of the, the unions on earlier this morning, Gerard Hayes from the mm. Health Services Union. Next week, uh, on June the 10th, uh, we've got Nambos walking off the job. We've got nurses walking off the job on the south coast at the moment because uh, the government, and possibly last year, is, is OK, mm. uh, but they're still balking on a fair and adequate pay rise. Mm. We need to be looking after our frontline workers a lot better uh, if we're going to have these essential services. Yes, that's exactly right. And look, I'll I'll praise the health minister Brad Hazard on the job he's done, the diligence and management of the health system during this COVID crisis, and I think the health union would too. Um, but we need to back our frontline workers. They've stood by us during this pandemic, and it's our time to stand by them. Yeah, I mean they're not asking to get rich. No, they're asking for you know a fair pay rise. They were offered zero point three percent. I mean one and a half is where it's sort of sitting, but I mean even so. Uh, if you look at the, the, the cost of living increases, and you and I will talk more about this in the future. Of course. You know, we're asking people to, to buy a house, uh, a young couple to live out in the MacArthur region, for instance, of Sydney or Marsden Park, one of the booming areas. Yes. You know, we want police. Uh, we want public, uh, we want these frontline public services. How can they afford it? Yeah. B- between the, the, the cost of living, increased tolls and all the rest of it, and yet we can't find a, a little pay increase? Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. I mean, with the economy returning to normal, which is great, mm. uh, inflation will inevitably rise and wages have to keep pace. Otherwise, it's cutting cutting into their take-home pay. Mate, it's great to get you in face-to-face. Good luck with everything. Uh, I'll follow, obviously, with interest over the coming days. And either way, whether you, you become the leader or you, you stay where you are, uh, we'll talk to you further on the program. Thank Thanks, you. Marcus. Really appreciate it.